take over doubt, we gon' make it Show the world that I shine in our greatness Keep it real, never gon' fake this Till we make it, till we make it Taking off, flying high like a spaceship Take control, take a shot Alright, welcome back everybody, this is Danny with Shake the Earth Podcast Miss, Mrs. Karim Jones You're my good friend Yeah It's taking yeah. you a little while to get on here I'm su- I've been surprised, you're so busy Yes, I am so busy and, you know, it just keeps getting busier, I think. You got your arms full. Yes, my hand, both my arms full. This is the first time we've had a little person on the show with with our guest. Yeah, we're making history today. What's his name? Oscar. And he is how old? Two. This is like, this is perfect though. Before the podcast, I was like, this is exactly why I wanted to have you on this podcast. You have so much going on. Yes, yes, I'm constantly, well physically and metaphorically always juggling a few things at a time. So Karim is a, you're a blogger, you're an influencer, you mm-hmm. work with brands. Yes. Your, your most important role is your mom to three. Yes. What are their names? I've got Sophia who is just turned seven and then Joaquin who is very close to being six and little Oscar here on my lap who's two. And your husband? How old is he? <laughs> He's my age. I know him really well. Yes. And my husband, Christopher Jones, and he teaches history at BYU. Go take That's his class. Awesome. So you and I, we've been friends for a long time. Yes. Long we go time. Way back. Uh, way, your way husband back. And I were, we were roommates. And then as our careers kind of set in stone, it was, it's been fun watching you because I don't know, it's been several years you've been working really hard on your blog, yeah. which is super popular dreams in Spanglish. Yep. And it's funny, but it's also got this kind of you, you have like really important messages in it because of your background. Yeah, I, you know, from the start, I wanted to make sure that my blog was, you know, lighthearted because I feel that's kind of who I am, but then also very honest and tells the truth. And um, that's what I try to make sure I do in my blogging and in real life and on social media, just to yeah. keep it, keep it an honest, but lighthearted place. One of the reasons I want to have you come on is your story. You're not only your professional story, but your, your, your family history mm-hmm. and your upbringing. We'll get to that here in a minute, but you are, you're an influencer. Does that feel weird when people say that to you? Or do you, do you look at yourself as that now? You know what? That is, <sighs> maybe it's because I know you so well. Yeah. Like, it's influencer. I feel like is such a, if you're in it, you kind of don't Say that you are. Yeah, but I can. But I you can, can you yeah. right? Um, do I think I can affect opinions or influence? Sure, anybody can do that. Anybody can influence anybody else. But as for the title of influencer, yeah, it's still kind of a little weird, I think. When did you know that you were an influencer? When did I know when I was an I've influencer? been watching you grow your Instagram, your blog for a long time. Yeah, watching me with, with hawk eyes, right? Yeah, I have because I'm always I'm I'm always interested in watching it. And plus, we're close friends. Yeah. Um. When did I know I was an influencer? I think, honestly, I I could feel a shift and a change when I could see that I could start making money. Yeah, from monetizing it. it. Yeah, that was never. I definitely want to make it clear that I never started my blog or my Instagram to make money. That was 100% not the goal. In fact, if you had told me that someday I would, I would just think that is crazy bananas. That's never going to be me. You know, it took a few years of just, you know, sharing my story and being open, you know, making relationships online 
that you know small brands started noticing and then bigger brands started noticing and that's when I started noticing is that okay you know maybe what I do you know there's worth to it there's something more here so yeah that's kind of how it all how began. long have you been building your your tribe your following how long have I been building what, what my year did tribe? You uh, off? Try- I was trying to remember that. Do you know what? Well, I started my Instagram account back in 2011. Mm-hmm. So it was right around when my daughter was born. A little background about me is so I don't have a ton of pictures from when I was, you know, little from zero to eight. I have maybe one album full of pictures. And a lot of those pictures are collected pictures that other people gave to us that were just like me in the corner or me not even looking. Um, And so I think what's happened is I have this desire to document my kids' lives and our lives as a family because I want my children to be able to look back on it, to see their history, um, because that's not something that that I can do. So I started my Instagram for that very reason because, you know, I was just a mom, had a baby, had a camera to take pictures with, and I wanted to take them and and share them. And that's when it started. And it was about probably when my daughter was around three years old that I got my very first brand reach out to me, and I'll never forget it. It was for this headscarf thing. And I remember I turned to my husband and I said, someone wants to send me this thing for Sophie and just wants me to post a picture about it. You're a little Did you, So when that first happened, were you excited or were you like, I don't know that I want to do that? Because everything up until then has been your own generated content. Like yeah. Nothing. So I was excited. I remember I had about probably around a thousand followers and I was excited, but I also thought, oh, this is a fluke, you know, this is never going to happen again. And what's funny is my husband, and I remember this too, he said, this is just the beginning. And I said, what are you talking about? He goes, oh yeah, this is just the beginning. And, but then again, you know, my husband thinks I could walk on water. He thinks there's nothing I can do. He's always been, you know, my biggest cheerleader. I know Chris pretty well and he's, he's a, He's a good dude. Oh, he he he's is everyone's, you know, you're, if you're his friend, he's your number one cheerleader. But yeah, he was like, you know, this is just the beginning. And it really was. That was the very beginning. And then it started, you know, I started working with other smaller brands. Um, and yeah, it took I remember off talking there. to you about this. And, and just as you were starting, you're like, I don't know if I want to do it. I don't know if yeah. I want to get paid. It kind of ruined yeah, and, and we talked a lot about that. Yeah, and uh, I remember telling you, you know what, brands, because I I own a couple brands, and we've worked with you. Yeah, brands are looking for authentic people. They're yeah. looking for that person that a is easy to work with. They they really want to um, work with good people that mm-hmm. have good followings, and mm-hmm. that's what you and you had. I mean, that's kind of the new way for brands to to market. It's not TV anymore, you know, mm-hmm. especially for small brands. It's not radio. It's not magazine. It's it's you know, really targeted social media. Well, I think it's because, you know, people follow, you know, they can choose to follow who they want to, but then it's because they trust them. They yeah. trust, okay, what what are you buying? What do you think? What's working for you? And I think Instagram's unique in a way that a lot of my followers are moms or soon to be moms. And they just want to know what's, hey, what's working for you? You know, 
we all struggle with different things, um, whether it be sleep or whether it be, gosh, kids at school, um, starting school. So yeah, they're always, I think Instagrammers or social media influencers can share their knowledge that their followers want, like their honesty from it. You've worked with some big brands though. Like, can yeah. you name some? Can, I mean, people can go to your account and sure. see. Sure. Yeah. I've worked with some big brands. Um, I've most recently worked with, let's see, Pepperidge Farm. I've worked with, you know, H&M, JCPenney, Old Navy, Johnson & Johnson. Do you ever have followers say, oh, you're selling out or you're monetizing it too much to where the content is compromised? You know what? I'm very fortunate. I am super, super fortunate in that I could probably count on one hand the amount of times I've had um, someone say something negative to me um, on Instagram. You I know mean, why? Are they, you are know they, why though? I think it's because you are very, very authentic. Like you don't paint like a perfect picture. Yeah. What's your Instagram handle? I don't want to butcher it. Karim Jones. Oh, that was easy. I couldn't have butchered that. Karim <laughs> Jones on Instagram. But you can see that it's not like it's not forced. It's not contrived. It's like really high end quality content. You know what? That's always been really, really important to me from the very, very beginning. And even when I was kind of transitioning into, okay, you know, influencer, is this something I'm ready to to take on? I always was nervous that I would lose the authenticity, that I would lose the honesty. And I realized that I don't have to do that if I don't want to. Yeah. I don't have to not be authentic. I don't have to be dishonest. And so, you know, with that, a lot of times I've said no. You know, companies have wanted to work with me. And I would say I only work with about 10% of the companies that reach out to me. So wow. what you see, there's for every one sponsored post that you see, there was at least nine that I didn't do. And I think, you know, a lot of other influencers that I know, it's the exact same case, exact same case. Yeah. And so I think that's one thing that some people don't know is you can be selective. If you decide that this is something you want to do, you can be selective or you, you don't have to be selective. Yeah, if you, you can take on whoever you want. Yeah, you can take on whoever you want. It's, you know, you can't judge. It's whatever people want to make it mean or do that's their way of doing it that's just fine but for me i've been fortunate that i can be selective but also stick to what works for me what works works for our family and i think that's what's helped me be able to stay authentic stay true to myself i love that because you have you put yourself in a power position when somebody asks you know how do you how do you negotiate a good deal well realize you have value to offer if you realize you have value to offer, that makes your position a little bit more strong for you. Absolutely. If you're just taking on whatever you can get. Now, there's moments where you you, know, you might have nothing and you're just taking on your first clients, right? But mm -hmm. where you've built something, being selective creates a value as well. You're not just going to work with anybody. And, and whoever I think you are brands work are our, realizing that yeah. too. They they know, hey. Well, before the, the podcast recorded, you said, I have a brand that I've worked with in the past. They're coming to me asking me to to work for less. And you're like, yeah. well, I'd already worked for this much before. Yeah. I have become more popular since then. Yeah. You, I'm not going to work for less. And that that's something that I've done in the past and have eat like I've, I look, I used to sell myself short all the time and used to think, oh, like, oh, you know, maybe my stuff isn't that great or not worth if you want to put a price on it. But you, it is so important to, to know your worth and to know, hey, 
creating this content is not as easy as it looks. You see someone post a picture and they're, you know, next to a product or they're enjoying something or especially with kids, like it's just not easy. It Mm -hmm. takes to get an Instagram post or, you know, pictures for a blog post or anything that's sponsored. There's a lot of work that goes into it that you don't see, especially when you're working with big brands. They want this is something you're planning months ahead of a time. You've created content. You've created several options to that can be used. It takes time. It takes planning. Do they micromanage like the post? Because they're paying, right? They yeah. Want, they want, like, so a specific image. it didn't used to be that way. It used to be that they would say, "Hey, make some. We want to work with you. Could you post it this day?" Like I remember back when I was working with a large clothing company, um, they said, "Here's um, a gift card. Go out and buy outfits for the kids, and then could you post it by this date?" And that would not happen today. Wow. And they're now getting, they're getting much more uh, stringent on what they expect. Oh, right? absolutely. You have to give them. I mean, are they looking for an R like an, a cash on cash ROI? Like if they pay you X, they're looking for Y back. Or is it more just like awareness campaigns? I'm, I'm sure like some brands, like if they give a, a coupon code out, for example, right? Yeah. They want to track how much yeah, money so, is coming through that code. So I haven't worked with a lot that do codes, but they'll do like I'll have to put, I'll link up to their site and it's a unique, it's a unique okay, link. Yeah. So they track it through there. But now they'll say, okay, we want five to 10 options for the, we want five to 10 <laughs> options for the image. Oscar, um, this is awesome. They'll say they want different captions. We want, ideas. so one company that I'm working with now it's a large one. Um, I had to get them creative by yesterday. Get them. So what that means creative is say, okay, this is what the picture is going to look like. This is what the post is going to say. The caption's going to say. And then in three weeks, I need to have 10 images. And then they'll get back to me. It's um, like a full-on launch campaign. 100%. It's a lot more involved now. And I think that's why you know, it's just gotten busier because everything there's about 10 steps before a post goes up um and then afterwards they want all the metrics so what that means is they want to know data yeah they want to know the numbers how many clicks did you get you know how many so anytime i see you post an ad i'm just gonna go like it and comment like a thousand times yes everybody go like and comment <laughs> um but yeah they want to see all the data they want to see everything behind it and it's kind of tricky because people sometimes get turned off by it. They yeah. see hashtag ad hashtag or hashtag ad. sponsored. So, and they're so like, when I'm you not gonna... post hashtag ad, you have to legally put that in there, huh? Have to put it. And it has to be right at the beginning. Hashtag ad. Hashtag ad or hashtag sponsored. It's like the equivalent of uh, pouring cold water on a fire. Like for some people, when they see that, they're like, okay, I'm zoning out. Yeah. But you have a really strong community, like you said, that... Yeah. You know, they allow you to do that every once in a while. And they, I think yeah. they anticipate that once you get to a certain threshold of followers and influence, you're kind of, anti- you're, you're expected to be working with brands, right? And even with those, I really, really try my very best to still keep it very cohesive with, you know, my brand and with what else I have going on. Yeah. So it's not like completely out of place. If yeah. someone's following, I don't want them to see something that would just seem totally out of place. Yeah. It seems like it comes and goes in like spurts where you'll work with Pepperidge Farms, you'll make one or two posts and then it's, you cool off. So you don't, you don't burn people out. Yeah, it totally goes in spurts. In fact, right now, 
the reason I've been so busy lately is because of back to school. Yeah. So all the I've, brands want to hit back to school. Exactly. So there's always like the spurts right before the holidays, right before back to school. Usually around February, it kind of just really lulls. Does it? Um, because it's after the holidays. Springtime and summertime does it lull? Summer is a lull in that I'm not post. I didn't post as many ads, but I was working on the ones that were coming up. Okay. So it still it still stays pretty busy. So if you're just joining us as a Shake the Earth podcast, I have influencer, blogger, mom, Karen Jones. Uh, she's talking about her life as an influencer, how she works with brands. She's built a, a really loyal following uh, over the last several years, seven, almost seven, eight years. Yeah. It's been a long time. Yeah. Most people, when they look at your following, they're like, oh, this, is, this must be nice. She gets to work with brands. Easy, easy work. They don't see seven or eight years in the making. And then what you just explained is brands now are work. They're almost treating you like an ad agency where it's you have a campaign, you have a launch date, you have deliverables, you have due dates, all these things that you don't realize go into creating one or two simple posts. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And I think it's even changed the way I see myself. I used to think, you know, okay, I do this once in a while, kind of a casual influencer, I guess you could say. But when they start asking, you know, it's very professional. They ask you, you need to have this, you need to have this, you have deadlines. Contracts. Um, oh yeah, yeah, contracts, you need to go back and forth. Then I started thinking, okay, well I need to be professional too. Yeah, so I need yeah. to stay on top of my emails. I need to make sure these things are signed. I need to make sure these things get done because if not, I miss out. And that was something that I think just in the last year was something that I had to really focus on and say, okay, if I'm doing this, I'm gonna do this, but I have to do it right. I have to be professional about it. And it just coincided that more things started popping up, more opportunities. So I think when you, it's really important that if you are going to go into this or wanna do- It's more no, work it, than you think. Yeah, it's more work and you have to treat it like a job. Yeah. It's not, oh, you know, it's like a side thing. It's, so what percentage of your day is working on your business versus with your family and just other things? Because do you know it? It depends on the day. I have it worked out that Tuesdays, Tuesdays are my work day. So Tuesday morning, I'll head out the door around seven, and I'll usually come home around noon, twelve thirty. I just try and crank out a bunch of stuff on on my Tuesdays. So whether that's answering emails or it's like photo shoots, yeah. But really those, sometimes that's every day. Yeah. So emails, <laughs> I would can. probably spend probably close to an hour um, a day that I just try and sneak in here and there. And then depending on what I have going on, I'll try and get in you know, more work while the kids are at school and Oscar's napping. And Tuesdays are the day where I try to get most work done and writing done. And actually Danny doesn't know this and I can't believe I'm letting anyone else know, but I'm also um, working on writing a book. Are you serious? Yeah. That is awesome. So. What uh, yeah. What about? I hope it's part of your story. It's 100% my story. Yes, because that's what I want to talk about next. Yeah. Um, yes, I love your story. I love this. So yeah, so I that's my time to write that and cool. get that get that down. That is so cool. So that's the perfect segue. Because okay. one of the other reasons I want to have you on is your 
story of how your family came here to the States. You're El Salvadorian. Yep. Your mom is a, is El Salvadorian. Yep. And a uh, fascinating story that I can't even pretend to comprehend. So I want you to share starting with your mom and dad and how they came sure. here into the States and then kind of elaborate on that because that is such a, it's a key component to, I think what people uh, need, then people need to understand the, the lengths that people are willing to come here to the States. Yeah. So, wow. where do I even start? Um, so my mom is from El Salvador, um, was born there and she spent her teenage years living in a war-torn country. She has told me stories of horrible things that she would see. Um, there was curfews, like everybody had to be in by 10 or no matter like what. Like entire city, the whole country was like on lockdown. Yeah. So in her town, yeah, you had to be in by, I don't even know what time it was. I think it was earlier than 10 or you'd get shot. And she saw a lot of horrible, horrible, horrible things. Anyway, so my mom was going to school and got pregnant with me. What, what year was this? So it had to have been 80, early, mid 80s, 85. Okay. Yeah. yeah 85, 86. Um, she got pregnant with me. Didn't really even know it because when she was younger, when she was younger than that, my grandmother, so her mother left to come to the States to earn money to send back to, to the family. So basically my mom was raised, you know, during her formative years without a mother and her and her older sister were taking care of her siblings. Um, so a lot of responsibility fell on her, but also she was really kind of naive, didn't know a lot of things about the world, didn't know even how to get pregnant. Um, so anyway, so she got pregnant with me and took a couple months since she realized, you know, what it was. And like that naive. Yeah. Wow. Anyway, so she, my grandmother said, you can't have that baby there. You can't have your baby in El Salvador. It's too dangerous. Like what is her future going to be? Um, my mom says she always knew it was a girl. So she said, I can't raise her here. So she came to the United States, overstayed her visa to San Francisco, lived with Over, my grandmother. Overstayed her visa? Overstayed her so visa. So she stayed, she came here legally initially yeah. and then stayed here illegally? Yeah. Is that what that means? Yeah. Okay. Yep. She came and stayed illegally and would do it again over and over and over and over as yeah. I would yeah. do the same for my kids. So I grew up in San Francisco, downtown San Francisco, with a lot of different characters right across the street that I thought was normal. normal. I thought... I remember you telling me that when I think we first met. You're like, you grew up seeing, I mean, pretty rough side of Oh, yeah. I San saw, Francisco. you know you know, people running in the streets trying to get hit by cars. I saw different characters <laughs> that I thought was normal. And yeah. I, in fact, I remember one time we weren't in San Francisco, but we were going somewhere else. And I remember thinking, where are all the homeless people? Because That's I was just so used to, to that, yeah. but, but I wasn't scared of them. You know, I wasn't raised to be nervous of them. I wasn't raised to be scared of them, you know, to show them compassion. My mom didn't have very much. She worked in a hotel after school. I would come back and I would fold little towels with her um, as part of her job at the hotel. And so she never had, never had a lot when I was little, um, but she always gave. Was she single? Yeah. So she was single, single mom raising me, which I don't even know how, I mean, 
single moms, single parents are amazing. Um, But she had... Superhuman power. Superhuman. Oh, yeah, absolutely. So we lived with my grandmother and then, yeah, so it was, I mean, it was tough. Did you grow close to your mom during that time? Oh, yeah. I was incredibly... You kind of didn't have a whole lot. She was was my whole entire world. She was my whole entire world. That when she started, you know, dating the man who I now call my dad, I was very... Protective. Protective. And I thought... I am going to sabotage this. <laughs> he wanted to marry her. And I said, okay, well, if you want to marry her, you have to buy me Lion King stuff, everything. And I Gosh, thought, for sure. you should have upped the ante. I know. I thought for it. sure he is not going to be, he's not going to buy into this. He's going to leave. And sure enough, he had it all for you. Yeah. And he's turned out to be, you know, the greatest father. Very the successful greatest. businessman. Yeah. He's yeah. done, um, he worked on Wall Street for a really long time, but has since decided to leave the rat race yeah, and that's he, they now live just down the road from us, which is amazing because my kids grow, can grow up yeah. close to their grandparents. Tell us about your biological father. Oh yeah. I guess I, he has, I missed he has, that. No, I think it was, I think it's important for people to understand like the, the trouble and the trials that were back home in El Salvador. Sure. Yeah. So I actually never even met him. Um, my mom again left the country when I was, you know, in her, in her stomach, um, while she was still pregnant with me and he was a pilot in the air force. And I think I was around two, almost three years old and his plane was shot down by guerrilla fighters, by guerrilla fighters. Yep. So you didn't, you never met him, never met him. I've met his family. They're lovely, nice people. They're great. Um, but yeah, never, never met him. How do you think that, how do you think your upbringing, your, your story has formed the way you look at like your kids and your future? Everything. You, you, know, you probably I don't look, take things for granted like a lot of people do. I, I don't, I don't. And I think, you know, part of me wants to give my kids the world because I didn't have a whole lot, but at the same time I was a happy kid um, yeah, Father's Day was always a little different, a little awkward, but I had really good friends that took care of us. But yeah, it totally shapes how I, I guess I parent and I'm just so grateful that um, my kids have kind of a normal childhood. Yeah. And it was something that I craved as a child that seeing them being able to have it. It doesn't have to be extravagant, but just I just always want them to feel safe and feel like they have a home. Experiences like that also keep you grounded as you become more successful, as you have more opportunities or you get you obtain more resources. I think oh, it keeps yeah. you it keeps you keeps the perspective in check that You know what I often think like my story could have not been my story. Yeah. My story could have easily been You could still be in El Salvador. I could still be in El Salvador. And that would be bad. I could still be, I could have been in San Francisco and not had my mom marry a man who education was really important. And for me, college was always something I was going to do. But if I didn't have that, gosh, my story could have been 100% different. And sometimes I think, wow, what am I doing here? Like how lucky that things turned out the way that I did that the way that they did so that I could be here, but it could have so easily been 
someone else having the story and not me. Do you do you do you ever feel like an obligation to help people because of the opportunities that you've been given that sh- have really shaped your life? Do you know like, what I like, especially the underserved? I know you're you and I are, share very similar thoughts on immigration and people who are looking for opportunities and protection. You know what I? In some ways, yes. I think my what I've gone through has shaped how I feel and my thoughts on you know immigration or or helping other people. But I think most of it's just from being a being a person, being a yeah. human, being a decent person who's going to be a good decent person to other people and raising kids who are going to be kind and decent and not awful people. Yeah. Because there's a lot of that going on. Yeah. Yeah. Or it's just, it's just kindness is not valued. Instead it's competition or being the best. And I think it's great to be the best, but if you're going to get there, you know, cheer on everybody else, be kind while you're doing it. I think that's the attitude that resonates well with your your followers, your your tribe. Yeah. And that's why you're going to continue to be successful and, and grow. I cannot wait to read your book. Yeah, I, mean, I can't wait till I get to read it too. <laughs> when you <laughs> launch it, I want, when, when, are you, when are you thinking of launching it? Do you know, I have, I don't know, right now. Because I want you to come back on and I want you to talk about it. You know what? I like when I started doing Instagram, being an influencer, I guess. I kind of had this imposter syndrome yeah. that I got over, and that I think that's I have to get over that too that with you're writing not an a book. Author. Yeah, that I'm that I'm not really an author, but when it happens, I'll you're let gonna you come know. back on. Oh yeah, let us know. Yeah, can I get an early copy or or like a manuscript of it so that I can critique it and embellish it? Only if I can get some Zen drops. <laughs> Done. Done. Everybody, thank you so much for joining us on this episode with Karen Jones, influencer, blogger, mother, earth shaker. She came on with her uh, her little one, Oscar. Check out the uh, podcast. If you like what you're hearing, let us know. Uh, we appreciate you taking the time to uh, leave us a review as well. Catch us next time on Shake the Earth podcast. We appreciate it. Go shake the earth. <laughs>